This morning we have an opportunity to consider the words of 1 Peter chapter 1. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning I would like you to do something that is very dangerous for a pastor to say at the beginning of a sermon. This morning I would like you to close your eyes. Do you have them closed? And now that your eyes are closed, I want you to picture in your mind that Christian that you admire. That Christian that when you look at them, you can say, I want my faith to look like their faith. I want my life as a child of God to look like their life as a child of God. I want my actions to resemble their actions. Do you have that person locked in your mind? And now that you have that person locked there, I want you to draw a portrait for me. A portrait that features that person in there and that portrait doing, where that person, that individual, <clears throat> is doing something that reflects their life or their faith in action. So you could draw a portrait of them praying or a portrait of them reading their Bible or a portrait of them being hospitable towards someone or a portrait of them serving someone you know who the individual is and you know what they did that that makes you want to emulate their faith and 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 and, and you can see them doing that and, and putting it into action do you have that that portrait burned into your memory right now now that you have it there i want you to first open your eyes again but we are going to refer back to that picture that you put there again and again over the course of the sermon so I want you to remember that picture, that action, that, that, that person doing what they do, that, that you sat there and said, this person is living their faith. I can see their faith shining. As we begin a, a series entitled, A God-Lived Life, we have the opportunity to consider different portraits of people. Different portraits who are exercising their life of stewardship as they go one day into the next day into the next day. And just like this portrait that you designed, the portraits that we look at show people who are putting their faith into action. And by putting their faith into action, they're taking this thing called stewardship and they are exercising stewardship. Now, you have one portrait in your mind of your Christian hero, the person that you want to be like. Well, Jesus, Jesus, as he spoke to us, drew another portrait for us as well. 
That's the portrait of the Pharisee. And as you, as you look at the portrait of the Pharisee that Jesus draws, there's, there's some pretty prominent things about the Pharisee. The Pharisee is in church. The Pharisee is praying at the time that people gather to pray. The Pharisee is someone who has a very pious-looking life. He brings his offering, and he brings above and beyond for his offering. He wears the right clothes. He does the right things. When people look at him, they can sit there and say, this looks like someone who is righteous. This looks like someone who has it together. This looks like someone who is pious. But there is a difference in that portrait and the portrait that's, that you drew in your mind. Even though the Pharisee seems to have a God-lived life, the Pharisee in reality has a God-looking life. Because the Pharisee is more concerned about how he looks before God. Is he doing the right things for God? Is he acting the right way before God? He has a God-looking life because he's concerned about his status and his reputation. In fact, if you look at this portrait of the Pharisee, when, when people make fun of Christians, they take this portrait of the Pharisee and say, this is, this is what Christians look like. This is the way Christians act. And I would bet that the portrait that you drew and the portrait of the Pharisee are, are opposite ends of the spectrum. I would bet that the portrait that you drew looks a little bit more like that tax collector, someone who recognized that they were a sinner, someone who recognized that they needed the mercy of God, someone who humbled themselves before God and then rejoiced in the mercy they received from God. Well, as you consider these two portraits, the portrait of your Christian hero over here and the portrait of the Pharisee over here, where would you hang your picture on the line between them? This past week, would you say that your portrait was closer to that Pharisee? Where you went through the motions of being a Christian that you went through the motions of following after Christ, but your heart wasn't in it, and your wasn't in it, and you weren't thinking about God's mercy, you were just doing the things that God wanted you to do? Or would you place your portrait closer to your hero of faith? As Peter talks to us today, he helps us understand why we can take our portrait off of this side and shift our portrait closer and closer and closer to our hero of faith. Because Peter has a way of describing not only our relationship with God, but how we continue to maintain that relationship with God through the words that he has given us. And Peter describes that relationship in a unique way. He says to us, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. The Holy Spirit has given us new birth. He has taken us who were lost in our sin. He has taken us who were dead before God, and he has given us life. And he gives us that life as he works through the word of God that has been proclaimed to you. He gives you new life by the atoning blood of Christ by which you are redeemed. And because the Holy Spirit gives you this life, 
by the blood of Christ, he has purified you. And as we look at the fact that he has purified you, we, we understand that, that he's already made us pure, and we live in the effects of the, of, of the fact that God has made us pure by his spirit and through his word and by the, the blood of Jesus. And because he has purified you, and because the effect of that remains again and again, or, or remains constant, we have the assurance that what God has promised in his word will stand. That the fact that he has made us pure by Christ's blood will not go away. And Peter uses another picture to describe that. Peter says, All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Things in this world have a way of fading over time. The treasures that we have in this world, the family heirlooms that have been handed down, those have a way of breaking, and those have a way of disintegrating, and those have a way of falling apart. But the promise that God makes to us in his word will stand the test of time. It is not going to fade away. It is not going to disappear. It is not going to fall apart. And when we look in time, we can look at, at kings who have ruled and tyrants who have ruled and, and good leaders who have ruled, and they've all had, had authority. But their authority has disappeared the very moment that they drew their last breath, that, that authority was gone. But as we look at the word of God and the promises that God makes and the assurances that he give, gives us in that word, when he tells us that he has purified us by Jesus' blood, that is a promise and an assurance that continues on. God's authority doesn't disappear. God's promises don't fade away. There isn't a time where, where the authority of God is suddenly gone. And so you are brought into a God-lived life because the Holy Spirit has given you new birth through the Word of God. And so as you look at those two portraits, the portrait of the Pharisee, and the portrait of your Christian hero, and you look at where your picture is, you can take your portrait, your picture, and you can hang it right over the portrait of your Christian hero. Because God has made you just like them. God has given you the same new birth through the same word of God by the same Holy Spirit. God has purified you from your sin just as he purified them. And he keeps you pure. And he assures you of the forgiveness that you have received by the blood of Christ. You don't have to wonder where are you on that, that line. Because God in his word tells you, you are the same as them. You are my child. But as you look at that portrait of your hero, one of the things that, that you recognize is it's not just the fact that, that they have new life by the Holy Spirit that you admire. It's the way that you take, or they took their faith and they lived that faith. It's the way that they allowed that faith to reveal itself in their lives. And they were able to do that because not only were they made pure by the word, but they continued to dwell in that word. 
And Peter says, and this is the word that was preached to you. Now, if you were hungry and someone saw that you were hungry and said, here's 20 bucks, go buy yourself a sandwich. Would you take that 20 bucks and toss it in the snowbank and say, that's not good enough for me, that's not enough for me, you, you have to give me more? No, you'd take that 20 bucks and you'd go buy a sandwich so you weren't hungry anymore. Our God has proclaimed his word to us. He proclaims it through those Bibles that are scattered throughout your house. He proclaims it through pastors and teachers and parents and relatives that God has brought into your life. He's proclaimed it through the devotions that you use and the worship that you partake in. And this word is a lot more precious than that $20 that someone gives you for lunch. And you know this. You know that the word that God gives you is precious. You know that the word that God gives you feeds you. And yet, how often do we take that, that word that he's given us and toss that into the snowbank? How often do we sit there and say, but I don't need it. I know it all already. I don't need it. I don't have time for it right now. I don't need it. I have other things that I need to be doing. How quickly do you set aside that word? because your show has come on. How often do you set aside the word because you have to keep your daily streak in, in your app going? How often do you set aside that word as you delete that, that email devotion that you subscribed to because it came in with all the other junk mail and you have too much email to deal with today? And, and when we do that, when we take that word and we throw it into the snowbank, that's, that's a tragedy. Because as you look in the word, as you learn in the word, you discover it's not just about that new life that the Holy Spirit has given you, but as you spend time in the word, you learn to grow and you are strengthened and you are equipped not only to have that new life, but to live in that new life. So Peter gives you an example. He says to you, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Think a moment about that portrait that, that describes your hero of faith. If you look at that portrait, you probably don't see malice or hypocrisy or envy anywhere in that portrait. That's one of the reasons you admire them. That's one of the reasons you look up to them. And in those times in their lives where you did see one of those things, the other reason you look up to them is because they were someone who would flee to the cross of Christ. And they are someone who would rely on the mercy that God has given them, and then they would continue to live in that mercy, knowing that their sin was forgiven. But that's only the first part of Peter's instruction. He tells you to get rid of these things, and then he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Newborns love to eat. It's one of the few things I've learned about kids. Newborns love to eat. And when those newborns are hungry, they are miserable, and they let you know that they're miserable, and they let you know that they're hungry, and if you don't feed them, 
they're going to make you miserable too. It's just a fact of life. And, and so what do you do? You, you, you feed a newborn because you know that that makes them content. You know that it gives them strength. You know that's what they need. Well, then that newborn, that newborn becomes a toddler. And you sit there and think, oh, finally, I've escaped that newborn phase. And, and what happens? That toddler gets hungry. Only that toddler eats more. And not only does that toddler eat more, but when that toddler gets hungry, he's miserable. And he makes you miserable as well. And he throws his temper tantrum. And you're like, oh, man, I have to give this toddler some food. Right? Because you know that that's what that toddler needs. You know that that toddler is strengthened by it. You know that that toddler is equipped. You know that you have peace when you feed that toddler. Right? And then that toddler becomes a teenager. And, and what happens? That teenager becomes hungry. And when that teenager becomes hungry, that teenager throws a teenager temper tantrum. And what do you do? You feed your teenager and you watch your grocery bill go out, out the roof. Right? But you do that because you know that that teenager needs food. And you know that they're hungry, and you know that that food sustains them and strengthens them and equips them. And then eventually that teenager grows into an adult. And you also know that adults get hungry as well. And when adults get hungry, they don't throw a temper tantrum most of the time. But we've come up with a term with that as well. We call them hangry. And even as adults, what do we do? We, we, we eat. And it may not be as much as we ate when we were a teenager, but we know that the food that we eat and the regular eating that we do strengthens us and sustains us and equips us. We know the importance of eating. We know the importance of food. We know the importance that it gives to us. The devil tries to convince us that the word that we have is not necessary, it's not important that we don't need to feast on it like that newborn or that toddler or that teenager or that adult feast on the meals that are given to them. But a regular and steady meal of the word strengthens you. And a regular and a steady meal of the word equips you to fight temptation. And a regular and a steady meal of the word you peace, whether you have a little bit each day or a lot each day. And so it's that word of God that equips you to do what Peter says. It's that word of God that equips you to get rid of malice and hypocrisy and, and envy and so on. It's the word of God that enables you to grow up in your salvation. It is the Word of God that equips you to fight temptation. It's the Word of God that enables you to mature as His child. It's the Word of God that strengthens you to live a godly life. Now, we started today by picturing the portraits of your Christian hero. And I told you to not only picture them, but to picture them putting their faith into action. And the reason they were able to do that, the reason you were able to picture them that way is because they recognized the life that they had been given through the Word of God and by the blood of Christ. But they didn't stop there. You were able to picture them putting their faith into action because they continued to live in that Word. 
And they continued to feast on the word that God had given them. And in that way, they demonstrated that God lived life. Because it was a life that was founded on God's word and founded on the gospel that he proclaims. And this is the word that you have received. And this is the word that you have the opportunity to feast on. Follow their example. Crave pure spiritual milk because you have already tasted that the Lord is good. Amen.